Well, it's so exciting to be back uh, home with you. And this place represents home in so many ways to Christy and I. As, as Pastor Nate said, we were on staff here for an incredible season of our life that launched us into our ministry. And we have continued to stay in touch. And there, there's a connection between us and this church and Pastor Nate that just doesn't seem to go away. So we really consider this kind of a home away from home. And it's an honor to be back with you. Let me just take a quick survey. How many of you do I know? Raise your hands if you'd say, I, I know you. How many of you do I not know? Raise your hands if you don't know me. How many of you don't care? No, don't raise your hands. <laughs> I just want to let those that I do know and those that I don't know that you are continuing to, to support us and uh, your big give, part of your big give offering is going to help us buy a sign for our new building all the way down in New Orleans as part of your missions giving. And I just wanna say thank you for that. And I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, give yourselves a huge round of applause for helping us. And I so, we so appreciate that. Well, I love this place so much that I was thinking through and kind of digging around on your website and saw the campaign that y'all have launched with Hello Possible. And it reminded me of an email that I got a little while back. We live in the South now down in New Orleans. And I read an email a while back about a church down in the South where one morning the secretary promptly picked up the phone and answered a phone call. And a man with the country draw on the other end of the line said this, can I please speak to the head hog at the trough. And this pastor's secretary was very upset and offended by the remark. And she said, sir, if you are speaking of my pastor whom I love, you can call him pastor or reverend or brother, but you cannot refer to my pastor as the head hog at the trough. He said, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to donate about $10,000 to the church this morning. She said, can you hold please? I think the big pig just walked through the door right now. I promise you for $10,000, you can call Pastor Nate whatever you want to. <laughs> In all seriousness, Pastor Nate and Jody are dear friends of Christy and I. And they have been friends, they have been leaders in our life, and they have served as a point of guidance for us in very pivotal times throughout our life. And I was listening to Pastor Nate's wisdom this morning and I was just sitting in the front row going, man, I would like, I'd consider just like moving just to be in this church, not even be on staff, just to be a volunteer and serve in this place. I'm telling you, listen, you are part of a church and part of a pastoral team that is going somewhere. This church is going somewhere. And how many of you are thankful to be a part of a church that is changing and growing and going somewhere instead of staying the same? Don't just clap, get your pledge in for your Hello Possible campaign. And if you've already paid off your pledge, it's time to re-up and do it again. Thank you, Pastor Nate, for your gift of wisdom in my life and Christy's life so many times. This morning, I wanna continue the series that you have been in. I'm gonna extend it just one more week, and we're gonna talk again about this Prison Break series. 
And I'm gonna read a portion of scripture to you that has become really my life passage, if you will. And it's the same portion of scripture that Pastor Nate read several weeks ago. I think it was on Father's Day. And I'm gonna ask you this morning to turn your Bibles, your, your, your phones, your eyes to the screen. We make it easy for you. And, and I'm gonna ask you to turn to Philippians chapter three. And we're gonna read verses four through 11 together. As, uh, as you do that, they have a, a quick picture that we're gonna show uh, of my family. That's a little selfie of our family. There, just wanted you to meet my family. Christy is here this morning. Wave at everybody, sweetie. This is my wife. And uh, we've got two kids. Libby is 10 years old and Lincoln is six years old. And Libby's 10 going on 20 and Lincoln is six going on three. Uh, and we've decided after prayer and fasting and a lot of conversation, we're actually gonna keep both of them. So we're excited about that. <laughs> Let's read the Bible together this morning. Philippians chapter three, verses four through 11. The apostle Paul says this, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I wanna to speak to you very briefly for the next few minutes this morning on this subject, the Facebook post that you never shared. The Facebook post that you never shared. I always say I may not have great sermons, but my titles are good. <laughs> Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, help us. There's so much to do. And there's so much to say at this critical hour in our country. And right here in the great state of Minnesota, we need you. And I pray over the next several minutes that you would guide my lips to only preach what you want me to preach. And I thank you that your word doesn't return void. Lord, you've got to do all of that in the next 23 minutes. So I pray you would help me in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Well, it was 19 years ago, I was attending North Central University and I was a junior in college. And I'll never forget the missions director pulled me into the office there at North Central. And she told me about this trip down to New Orleans that all of the Assembly Guy colleges were kind of convening on. And she, she used the words when she pulled me into her office, she sat me down and she kind of buttered me up a little bit. She said, Wayne, you've been chosen to go and represent North Central on this missions trip. Well, I was a junior in college and still had some issues to work through in my own life. And I thought to myself, she used the right words. I thought to myself, Myself, well, if I've been chosen, I must go. And I found out later that she had already asked 10 other people to go on this trip that had turned her down, and I was number 11 on the list. And so basically, I was tricked into going on this missions trip in New Orleans. 
And I'll never get going down there, getting in the car and driving down to New Orleans with my best friend. Didn't know anything about New Orleans. And we got there and we had this like kind of opening rally there that night. And then this guy that was our host said to me, he said, hey, I want to take you guys down to the French Quarter and get some food to eat. Well, I had no idea what the French Quarter was. Never heard of the French Quarter. But he did use the word eat. And suddenly I felt led that direction by the Spirit. (laughs) And so we got in the car and something strange began to happen in the vehicle because I was in the back seat, my my best friend, my buddy was in the the passenger seat and this new guy that I just met a few minutes ago, our host was driving us down there and all of a sudden in the middle of this trip about halfway down to the French Quarter, I started to cry. Now I had no reason for crying. I hadn't seen anything to make me cry. There'd been nothing to move my heart. I'm really crying at this point for no reason at all. And I always say that like, if it would have been a car full of ladies, this would have been okay. It would have been a fun thing, you know? Like ladies are cool with that. Like ladies will, like they'll have crying parties, you know? Like you bring milk, I'll bring cookies. We'll cry all night, you know? But dudes don't usually like just walk up to each other, hug each other and go, hey man, let's just hug and cry for a while, man. I brought some tissues. So they did what guys do when other guys cry, they just ignored me. And we, we continue our drive down to the French Quarter and we arrived there in the French Quarter. And at this point, they got out of the car and they started to walk fast. So I had to, you know, try to keep up with them. And, and, uh, and so I'm about 10 feet behind them. I think they did it intentionally. And then we got to the restaurant and I'm crying so hard. Tears are coming down my cheeks. I can't even eat my food. And I finally said to these guys, I don't know what's wrong. I think God's trying to say something to me, either that or I'm having a a nervous breakdown of some kind. And uh, you know what? I can't even eat right now. And this is not a good situation. I'm gonna go back to the car and I'm gonna pray and see if God wants to say something to me and let you guys eat your meal in peace. And they said, Wayne, we feel like that is a great and wise decision. (laughs) So I could take you back to the spot. I could take you there where the car was parked. And I can show you where I put my head on the steering wheel of that vehicle and cried for two and a half hours. And the only thing God said to me in that two and a half hours was, Wayne, I'm going to give you a love for a city like you've never known before. And that wrecked me. And then I came home and and continued to go to school and God gave me a vision and I've never had one since or or, uh, before or since. And so I got this vision of a street in New Orleans full of people and God said, Wayne, I want you to take a generation to reach a generation. And so I took 12 of the finest North Central students that I could find. And we led many people to Christ that week. And then the next year, we, we took 80 people. And the next year, we took 150 people. And next year, we took 250 people for Mardi Gras. And then another 400 the next year. And then 500 the next year. And we figured out in the 19 years that we've been doing this little Mardi Gras outreach that we've had over 4,000 young adults come through that outreach that have come to change the city of New Orleans, but then end up leaving change themselves. It's a powerful thing. 2005, we were staff evangelists at one of the greatest churches in the nation, a place called Emmanuel Christian Center. And we were in, that was y'all, just in case you didn't, you you can't think that fast. It's okay. You catch up. It's good. And we were staff evangelists here and traveling full-time as well. And we were at a 
a church in another part of Minnesota, and I'll never forget gathering around a little computer screen because we didn't have a TV in our room and seeing the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. And Christy and I, in front of that computer, literally weeping over a city because the city was hurting. How many of you know this week we've seen some hurting? We've seen hurting in multiple cities, in, in cities close to mine. Baton Rouge is 45 minutes away from the doorstep of my house. And in cities right here in Falcon Heights and in Dallas and, and all over the country, we have seen hurt. And meanwhile, I'm, I'm crying and, and we've got this heart for New Orleans, but haven't got a green light from the Lord to do much about it besides keep going to Mardi Gras and doing these trips and sending teams down there. And so meanwhile, we're like continuing to build this evangelist thing. And I'm having, a, I'm, my life is fun, man. I'm speaking at camps and conventions and some of the greatest churches across our country. And man, I'm just like saying Jesus and thousands are running to the altar, you know, and, and we're living in this really nice house in Dallas at this point. Our best friends live three houses down one direction our other best friends live three houses down the other direction and man life is going well and then God said now I want you to jump off of a cliff and I want you to move sell everything you have and I want you to move to New Orleans and plant a church and I had a little conversation with the Lord in that moment like God really you couldn't have done this in the early years when ministry was hard and now like I'm having fun and you say, okay, no, no more fun. Move and plant a church. And 22 people crazily don't even understand why, but followed us over that cliff and moved with us to New Orleans to start that church. And this morning I can tell you some of the incredible stories that we have. I can tell you stories of life change, of people that, that have come to Christ that were literally didn't knew nothing about Jesus and, and they've gotten saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and now they're leaders and, and they're, they're, they're pastors, they're helping pastor our people. I can tell you stories of miracles that God has done, including getting us a building. I can tell you so many of the awesome stories and there's so many to tell. But what I'd rather do this morning is to do what I call stay away from my highlight reel. Because how many of you know this week, we don't really need to see everybody's highlight reel. What we need this week is a dose of reality. So I wanna tell you like how my journey started there as we were planting this church and I'm all excited. And, and at this point in ministry, like everything that Christy and I touched had kind of turned to gold and it was pretty easy. And, and I mean, I married pure gold just to begin with. And then, and, and so man, life had gone pretty good. And then it started and I thought, man, I, I talk for a living. I'm kind of an evangelist guy. I can schmooze. How hard is it going to be to get the perfect venue that I want for our church to meet in? And 52 venues later, 52 no's later, I found out how difficult it would be. And, and God, I said, God, why would you make this so hard? And what I didn't know was that that was very minor compared to what was coming because all of a sudden we started the church and the numbers weren't near what I, what I thought or expected they should be. And, and, and then my friends are calling me from all over the country. And have you ever had a time in your life where you didn't wanna pick up the phone because you didn't actually want to tell people how you were doing? Hello? So you ignored the call. Yeah, I had those moments because I wanted to be nice to my friends and remain friends. And so I didn't want to tell them that I hated my life and wish they wouldn't call. And then one day 
I woke up and I had some asthma. I couldn't breathe very well. And I walked down the stairs of our house and I couldn't get back up the stairs because I couldn't breathe. And that was the start of a rare lung disease that Mayo Clinic diagnosed as bronchiectasis. And I went to pulmonologist after pulmonologist there in New Orleans. And many, many of them, uh, told, one of them actually told me that I, I needed to leave New Orleans or I would die if I didn't leave New Orleans. And that led to 12 bouts of pneumonia in a year's time. Seven surgeries. 70% of my time spent either in bed, in the hospital, recovering from a surgery or hanging, a pick line, IV line hanging out of me that I had to give myself medicine with. And one night, I was running 104 fever. I'd been throwing up. It's kind of a multiplicity of days that went that way. And, and I said to God from my bed, this is the first time I kind of cracked because th there was a presence that came into my room that night. It was the presence of the enemy. And how many of you know, wherever the enemy goes, fear comes right along with him. And the fear began to hit me. The enemy began to whisper stuff to me like, Wayne, this church is gonna fail. And you're going to leave your wife a widow if you stay here. And your kids will grow up without a father. And that night, I begin to cry and I begin to ask God, why? Why would you move us here to do this? For me to be so sick and for us to be faced with devastation after devastation. And God said something to me that I want to tell you today that changed the course of my life. He said, Wayne, You've only ever known 50% of me. I said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, you've only ever known the power of my resurrection and the high victorious moments in your life. I wanna introduce you to the other half of me, the participation, the fellowship of my suffering. And that changed the dynamic of my relationship with Christ. And it, it, it's like Paul is talking about here when he starts in chapter three and he's writing to this Gentile church in, in Philippi and he's trying to encourage them. And first thing he does in chapter three is he warns them of, of false teachers that were teaching bad theology and, and bad belief systems. And, and then he goes through his accolades and his credentials. And, and for Paul, there are many, many credentials. And then he comes to a powerful moment in the text that, that simply says right here, it simply says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain. Everybody say it together. Christ, that I may gain Christ. So we're kind of getting the point here, Paul. You're saying, I don't give a rip about any of the, my accolades and my credentials and where I've studied and who I've been mentored by and how many languages I speak and how eloquent I am and all of the accolades of being a, a Pharisee and all the things that came along in, at that point. He said, I don't give a rip about any of that. I just want to know Jesus. And part of knowing Jesus is also embracing suffering well. See, I think our version of Christianity in the United States of America goes a, a, a little bit like this. God plus our dreams plus success equals American Christianity. 
where everything we touch is good and life is good and we live on the mountaintop and all of that. But I think Paul, writing from his jail cell that he'd been in for two years, awaiting whether or not he's going to be executed, I think he might have a different perspective that maybe is more biblical that would go like this. God plus our obedience plus suffering equals biblical Christianity. And so Paul would, would tell us that. And, and, and as we look around, we're asking questions right now, maybe in your own personal life, or maybe as you look around at the bleakness of our society and you see everything going wrong, you're asking maybe the question, is it worth it? And, and is it working? Is Christianity, is following Jesus worth it? And is it even working? And you look around at everything going on, you say, you're so worried, so much anxiety. What if so-and-so gets elected? What if the economy collapses? And when is the hatred and the bigotry and, and, and the violence going to stop? And what's gonna happen to our world as we hand it off to our, our children and our grandchildren? And, and your heart is filled with fear. But Paul knew that he was not alone when he suffered. Paul knew that there were others that had gone before him, men and women, patriarchs and matriarchs of the faith, some of them that had faced persecution and hopelessness and laid down their lives. And, and Hebrews gives us an encouraging word that goes like this. Now I'm gonna borrow this from a, a preacher friend of mine, a, a preacher that I respect highly. And his name is Andy Stanley. And he interprets Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three like this. Listen to what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us hide, whine, complain, hoard our resources just in case, put our Bibles in a drawer, build bomb shelters, purchase ammunition, blame the cops, blame the president, blame the teachers, blame our mamas, demand our rights, build a wall, tax the rich, play it safe, find somebody to sue, take back our country and pray that Jesus returns so we might not have to suffer. not what it says, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Hebrews 12, one through three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What do we do? In this time of crisis, what do we do in our own personal crisis and suffering that we are facing? It's right there, it's in the text. And Paul, as eloquent and as intelligent as he is, he boils it all down to, I just want to know Christ. And I wanna keep my eyes straightforward on Jesus, Hebrews says. So Paul is telling us in the moments that, uh, of the mountaintop where you, we get to visit those places every once in a while, in the moments of victory and, 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 and power, and then in the moments that we live in more often, the valleys, he's saying either way, whether it's the mountaintop that we're visiting or the valley that we're living in, either way, we want to know Christ. 
So what's the purpose of all this? Those of you that don't know, that, that maybe are from a, a church background, you might be visiting here today, or you might have come with somebody, or somebody promised you lunch if you'd come, or you, you heard about a pretty girl here at Emmanuel, or, or you know, whatever your reason is, and you're here and you're going, what, what is the point of all of this? And it's just, just rhetoric, and it's just, just a moral conduct and ethics and, and the, you know, that is handed down, and it isn't about who you vote for. And I'm telling you, friends, Christianity is not just about ethics and a moral conduct, and it's not about who we vote for. There is only one point to following Christ, and that is knowing Christ. Whether it's the mountaintop or the valley, whether it's participation in the resurrection or participation in the sufferings of Christ, because sometimes you don't know that Jesus is all you need until he really is all you have. This morning, as my wife comes, I wanna tell you that knowing Jesus looks a lot different to me than the last, in the last several years than it did prior to many of the things that we went through. And I'm on the back end of, of, of my health journey and God has done some major healing in my life and brought all, all his resurrection power into my body with thousands of people praying around the country. And I went and got my checkup at Mayo Clinic two weeks ago. And, and uh, the doctor said on a scale of one to 10 with the disease that you have, you came in to Mayo Clinic several years ago at a seven or an eight. And I didn't know if you were gonna make it. But two weeks ago, he said, I can find it so barely in your system at this point. You're at like a one and you're doing great. And it doesn't make sense. So I'm gonna enjoy the mountaintop of victory for my healing. And I'm gonna enjoy the turnaround that God has given our church as we've grown and so many people are being saved and changed and God gives us a building and all of that. But I'm also going to understand that sometimes that resurrection victory doesn't last forever. And suffering comes and it will again. As the old saying goes, you're either in the middle of something, you just came out of something or you're headed into something. Aren't you glad you came to be encouraged this morning? I'm telling you, we're living at a time in our country where Christ followers have to suffer well, no matter what happens. The church loses its rights. What happens in our government, our economy, no matter what happens in the chaos around us, the world is looking to us and they're wanting to see how we suffer and we suffer well not just because the prison break happens in our circumstances, not just because you go, God changed my circumstances and brought me out of that suffering. No, my friends, the prison break isn't always out of your circumstances. When God does that, it's fun. And we praise him for it, as James said, we sing praises when we're happy, but there are times in our life where we understand the prison break isn't just our circumstances. The prison break happens in our heart, in our spirit, in our soul, in our mind, in the middle, of suffering we go there's a break happening in my life because I'm closer to Christ than I've ever been
after Mayo Clinic diagnosed me with the disease, they told me that I had to do this daily therapy. And so I, every night, sometimes in the morning, I try to almost every day because they told me that this would help keep me alive. I do this therapy where I've got to put a, a mask to my face and got my little travel one with me here today. And then I have to lay in some weird positions and, and then I have to hack up the stuff that's going on in my lungs on a daily basis and clean myself out every day. And I was kind of upset about that because I'm not a guy that sits still well for an hour every single day. When I first started the journey, I was kind of whining to the Lord, really like, this, I don't understand why I got to do this. And then I put the mask on and I put it to my mouth and I said, you know what? This is my personal symbol of suffering, but you know what this does? That symbol of suffering connects me to the greatest symbol of suffering that purchased our salvation and our sin and healed our pain, the symbol of the cross of Christ. And I don't know what your symbol is here today. I don't know what you've been through and I don't know your story, but I do know that you have one because we all do. And I do know that if you're living on the mountaintop right now, if you're a Christ follower, you're burdened, maybe feel a little hopeless this morning because of the events that have occurred this week in our nation. This morning, I wanna help you understand Christ is worth knowing and he will get us through all of this closing, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this statement and we're done. I want to encourage you today to embrace victories and know they don't last forever and embrace suffering and let it run its full course because both of them will bring you closer to Christ. And that's all that matters. This morning, I'm going to ask everyone to stand all across this room. I want you just to close your eyes and bow your heads this morning. Some of you are here and you'd say, truth is, Pastor Wayne, I don't really know Jesus. I mean, the way you're talking about him, so personal, so real in your life. I've known religion or I've known about God, or maybe you're here visiting today, like I said, and you kind of wandered in. And you just gotta know God has you here for a reason. And he's reaching out to you today, some of you for the very first time. This will be your day in a very important time in our history. This will be your day that you come to Christ for the very first time. Or maybe some of you need to return back to Christ. You know your heart is longing for that place that you were where you walked and talked with Jesus. The Bible says, as Pastor Nate said, that we are all sinners and we need God's grace and his forgiveness because without his grace and forgiveness without the cross and the resurrection of Christ, we were all headed for a place called hell that Jesus weeps over everyone going to. Instead, he wants us to go to a place called heaven. And he also wants to walk with us here on this planet on a daily basis. 
If you're here this morning and you'd say, I've never made that decision to have a personal relationship with Christ and follow him, make him the leader and Lord of my life, or I need to come back into that decision to follow him and make him leader and Lord, I want you on the count of three with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you just to pop your hands up in the air when I hit three, if you wanna say yes to having that relationship or coming back into that relationship. One, two, hands going up all over the place. Three, lift up your hands across this room. That's me, that's me, Pastor Wayne. I see your hand, I see your hand, see it. Yeah, all the way there, yeah. Over on this side, yep, I see your hand. All the way up in the balcony, God loves you so, so much on this right side of me, your left side, and, and all over here, yeah, to, to my, my left, your right, yeah, 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 yeah. And then all the way in the balcony, yeah, last row. God loves you so much, all the way up there. His, his presence is all over the room. And this morning, he's asking you to come home. So that I wanna ask everyone in the room to pray with those that, that are saying yes to Jesus. A very simple prayer, just to join that relationship with Christ. Together, let's pray it as a family here today. Say, Jesus, come on, Jesus, I need you. I wanna know you. I wanna know you in the high moments and in the low moments. Help me to believe that your cross and your resurrection, and your resurrection are, all I need are all I need in my life. In my life. Help, me Help me to follow you every day in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.